0: So tonight, I want to talk to you about this idea called looking beyond 2 Timothy 1.7. Looking beyond 2 Timothy 1.7. Now, I don't know what you think when you hear the word beyond, but for me, a Disney fanatic, I think of to infinity, and okay, all right, we're on the same page. Cool, cool, cool. Now, Buzz Lightyear made that, that phrase uh, popular, and so we, we know that phrase, but, but what's interesting about beyond is that there's always more to it, right? Like, for beyond, there's, there's, there's it's always more. So, like, when Buzz Lightyear says to infinity, infinity doesn't stop, right? Infinity, it goes on. But then if Buzz Lightyear doesn't just say to infinity, he says to infinity and beyond. And you go beyond. And so I want to talk about this concept of of going beyond. You see, beyond always implies that there's, there's something more to it. Uh, I'm, me and my wife, Adrian, we have a two-and-a-half-year-old. His name is Archer, and it's awesome. He's in, like, the stage where he likes to wrestle, and so we'll wrestle, and we've taught him when I ask him, you want a piece of me? Like, we'll, we'll be playing. I'll be like, you want a piece of me? And he goes, no, whole thing. I want the whole thing, daddy. I'm like, you're going to get it, son. Let's do this. And I just over just get him. But no, it's he, awesome. We have fun. But but we're in this thing where, where we're trying to teach him why it's important. I mean, we're just trying, I guess, just, I just want my son to brush his teeth. Right? I want my son, we're trying to get him to go to the bathroom in what we call the big boy potty. Right? That's that's like the stage we're in right now, and so like he'll wake up in the morning and he'll be like, "Hi, Daddy." I'm like, "Hi, buddy." I'm like, "You want to go brush your teeth? No. Okay. You you want to go? You want to go potty? Let's go, big boy potty. Let's do it. No. And what I've what i realized is is that he can't look beyond his feelings. He looks to right here and now. He just says, "I well, like, why, why do I need to brush my teeth? My teeth are good. Why do I need to learn how to go use the big boy potty, daddy? And I'm like, son, you need to brush your teeth. Because there ain't no girl going to want to smell your stanky breath when you're 17. Brush your teeth, boy. Right? It's like, like I, I need you to learn how to go in the big boy potty. Because, like, in elementary school, the teacher's not going to be like, all right, kids, let's all go to the bathroom. And Archie's like, nope, I'm good. I'm good, they Didn't learn. I just wait, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. No, why? As, as a parent, you can see beyond how they're feeling right now, right? May, maybe if you have a teenager, right? Maybe you know what I'm talking about. You ask your, your, your teen to do a chore. You ask your teen to, to do something, do the dishes, clean the room, and they're like, eh, I don't really feel like it. And you're like, okay, cool, I, don't, I didn't ask you. You felt like it, I just asked you to do it, right? They, they, for some reason, they can't see beyond right here and right now. And so, like, yeah, we could talk about my son and your teen, but how about you? Right? How how about you? Because, watch this, some people are able to see beyond tithing, and so that's why they tithe. Because they they know it's not for me. I I don't have to give. I'm, I'm getting to give. And so they see beyond. It's not like they, they don't see pastors taking my money, they see they see pastors wanting to get something to me. Some some people some people can see beyond coming to church, serving. Why? They they see the importance, they see how it's gonna value not just here and now, but how it's gonna how it's gonna increase their relationships, how it's gonna benefit their children. And so they, they don't see what's happening here now. They see I can see beyond what it is. I can I can see Beyond and so tonight I want I want to look at this idea of beyond you know there's, there's a Bible story in Genesis 13 that I'm just going to talk about real quickly um, it, but in this story Genesis 13 verses 8 through 12 what it basically is talking about is Abraham or Abram and Lot are, are traveling to the promised land Lot is Abraham's nephew and they've outgrown the land that they're in and strife has, has begun in the camp and so Abraham says okay Lot Here's, here's what we're going to do. There's land to the left, land to the right. If you choose the land to the left, I'll take what's on the right. But if you choose the stuff on the right, I'm going to go left. You choose. And the Bible says that Lot, he looks up, he lifts his head, and he sees this lush plain. The Bible says that it's fertile. That it goes even as far as to say Lot likens it to God's garden. It's well watered. And Lot says, you know what, Abraham? This looks like the right choice. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, this looks, this looks right. This looks right. And so he says, I'm, I'm going to go over here to the Jordan Valley. But, but in verse 13, if, if Lot would have looked beyond what looked good, he would have saw Sodom. He would have saw the wickedness. And the corruption that because he planted and pitched his tent so close, he eventually found himself in it. And so, so there's power to looking beyond. And, and so tonight I, I want to talk about this idea looking beyond 2 Timothy 1:7. And we've I'm just gonna preface this. Uh, this is a series that we are currently in in youth um, that I've been teaching. In the youth and JV, and uh, I—it's been so good. And so, what I'm gonna give to you is not everything. All right. So just, I just wanna just wanna warn you, it's not everything because that would take four weeks to do so. But I, I hope that tonight challenges you to look at life a little bit differently. But can anybody—is there any Bible? Okay, no, no Bible scholars because it's on the screen. Okay, cool. Second Timothy one seven. Don't don't go anywhere yet, Tina. All right, let's just. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Say fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. How many of you guys know that scripture? Yeah. How many of you guys can quote that scripture? Yeah. How many of you guys know 2 Timothy 1 8? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So So for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. Love in a sound mind. Now, verse 8, it's interesting because verse 8, it says this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to, next scripture, next slide, according to the power of God. Can you, can you put verse 8 back up, please, Tina? So, so we, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And then the very next word is therefore. Now I I don't know who said it. If it was if it was Pastor Mike that I heard it from, or Brother Copeland, a message, or uh, Kenneth Hagin, but but someone said this. Whenever you see the word therefore, you have to find out what it's there for. Right? Pretty pretty simple. But if if you whenever you see in the Bible, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to back up. And so Paul, he's writing. Here to, the, to Timothy, and he says, for God has not given me a spirit of fear. For God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And then verse 8, it says, therefore. Therefore. Verse 7, what if, what if I were maybe to say this? Could it be that verse 7, when Paul was penning this, Timothy, i praying for you. Down to verse 7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and salvation. What if, verse 7, Paul never intended for it to benefit you? What if, what if Paul never intended for it to benefit Timothy? But what if instead Paul intended Timothy to use it to benefit others? And I believe that's true because it says, for God has not given you, Timothy, a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Therefore, meaning there, there's a reason why I gave that to you. There's a reason why I said that. It wasn't necessarily, and don't get me wrong, God has not given you fear, or God has not given you fear. He, you have power, you have love, you have a sound mind. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. But in this context, could it be that, we're more intended to use it than to benefit from it. Because it says, therefore, do not be ashamed. And you know what? The Message Bible, the Message Bible says it this way. It says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love, sound mind. So don't be embarrassed to tell people about God. Don't, don't, be, don't be embarrassed. The New Living Translation says, don't be ashamed to tell people about God. Could it be that Paul's trying to, to inspire Timothy that, hey, you have power, you have love, and you have a sound mind, but they're not necessarily for you to keep, but for you to give. Now, I got a question. I got $100. Anybody want it? Okay. Okay. Typically, when someone asks you for $100, you're like, yeah, all right, I'll take that. Sign me up. But everyone's like, there's something more to this. I can feel it. I can feel it. All right, Doug, you want it? All right. Now watch. Doug, I'm going to give this money to you. All right? Look, he's like, I my hand out. Like, what's the catch here? Okay. Now, Doug, question for you intend to do with that? Other than tithe, right? Like 10% first, maybe give an offering. So 80 bucks left, right? What do you think you're going to do with it? No, you don't have to say it out loud. I mean, oh, okay. Okay. Give it to someone else. Sure. All right, Dan, what do you, what do you intend to do with it? You're going to get, you're going to look real bad if you don't give that to someone else now. Like, let's just be honest. So he gives it to his wife. All right, let's just say you keep it. All right. Just like don't keep it, just have it for now, all right. Now what if you know, like most of us think, sweet, get some food afterwards. I knew I was going to feed my spirit. I didn't know I was going to feed my soul too at church. Perfect. I can get, get some food, buy some new clothes. It's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit, pay some bills. It's going to benefit. Right? How many of you could have used an extra hundred dollars? Okay, you're too late in raising your hand. No, watch. No. We all can agree that if I started handing out $100 bills, it would benefit you. You, you, you could get something out of it. But watch, watch this. Now, hang on, Lynn. Hang on. I'm going to give that to you. But Adrian's going to come by later, and she's going to be asking for that $100, so be sure to give it to her, all right? Now, watch this. The mentality changes. If I say, I'm going to give you $100 and walk away, sweet, that's awesome. I I can do so much with it. It can benefit me. I can can invest it. I can pay for food. I can get some groceries. I can buy new shoes, whatever. It can benefit you. But if I just leave it there, that's awesome. But if I continue on and I say, now Adrian's going to come by to collect it later, so make sure you have it, watch. The mentality goes from benefiting me To giving to you. And I believe that's what 2 Timothy 1-7 is all about. Paul says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Great. What's it for? So don't be ashamed to tell others about Christ. Don't be ashamed about what God has done in your life. Don't be ashamed. Why? Because Because Paul knew that fear would creep in in his life, in his mind to say, but now remember, Timothy, if you say that, then the government, they're after you. They're going to come get you. Think about your family. Think about everyone around you. What happens if you're gone? And fear comes in. But but if it continues, because that, that power, that love, and the sound mind, yes, it's for you, but it's for you to use. For others to benefit. I'm really going to need that $100 back because Adrian doesn't know I'd have that. Uh, That's that's smart right there, right? But, But your whole mentality changes. It changes from how it can benefit me to what I need to give to you. And that's what God is looking for. God is looking for people he can use to not only benefit their lives, but people he can trust that it will get through their lives. It won't stay in their lives. So Paul, he, he, he writes 2 Timothy 1.7. And, you know, sometimes I think we, we look at this as, as like a, a personal benefit. I, I'll give you an example. There was times when I first started here at church when I didn't have kid, a, a son or I wasn't married, um, that I would work late into the evening. Well, one thing you have to know about this building is that it's 100 years old and it's, it's scary, y'all. No, 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 you don't understand. Like if you have an experience that you don't understand. Like I, I would be in my office working, at that time it'd be in the, in the middle school room, there's a little office and like, I'd be working, studying, doing things, and like, I would hear things. Things you don't wanna hear at like one o'clock at night when you know no one else is around. It's like a, Aah! it's like out of a horror movie. Like, it's straight up scary. And so, like, like, like a, I, and, and at that time, the atrium wasn't finished. So, the only way to turn the lights off was you had to shut them off and then walk through the dark. Yo no, it's you left, but I thought I was gonna die. And so like you come out and and you're like And so you start you start prepping yourself For God is not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power love summon. For God is not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power love summons. And you're like you're at the light switch, and because once the light goes out, you're sprinting. There better not be anything or anyone in your way because they're getting mowed over. So it's like God is not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power of love. So i like, go, and I'm off, and you know I'm, I'm like I'm Forrest Gump. I'm running through the hallways like God is not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power of love, and like I'm I'm running. And sometimes I think we can we we look at this scripture and, and it's a, a personal benefit. Now don't get me wrong, like so fear is not from God, right? God, God, does, God does not get, bring fear into your life to draw you closer to him. Like, that, that's not how God works. But, but in this context, remember, pastor always says, study the Bible in context and you'll never get off. And so in this context, Paul is writing to Timothy, young Timothy, uh, the minister of one of the, the biggest churches. And, and he says, Timothy... In verse 6, he even says, Timothy, remember, stir up the gift that was imparted into your life when I laid my hands on you. Stir that up. But remember, Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear but of power, love, and sound mind. So, therefore, don't be embarrassed to tell people about Christ. Now, remember, at this time, Nero was over the government. He didn't like Christians. He's burning them at the stake, killing them, throwing them in prison. And Timothy gets this letter. Oh, I wonder what kind of encouragement Paul's gonna give me. Oh, I bet he's gonna ship me out to somewhere easier, somewhere where there's less stress, somewhere where this maniac isn't over me. Oh, I can't wait to. What do you mean? God is not giving me a spirit of fear. What What do you mean to keep telling people about Jesus? We've lost 13 people this week, Paul. What What do you mean? And, And so. He writes, and, and as I was studying this, the scripture and for, the, for our series in youth, I, I started looking up the word fear in the Bible, and there are six different types of this word fear that are mentioned in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. There's four Hebrew words for it and two Greek words. I'm not going to pronounce them because it's almost impossible to, so, but there, there's, there's four Hebrew, two Greek Now, in in the Greek, there's 142 places where those two words are used, the the word for fear. In in the Hebrew, let me make sure I get this right. In the Hebrew, there are 442 times, or in, in in the Old Testament, the Hebrew language, there's 442 times that this word fear is mentioned, six of them. Now, altogether, that's 584 times. That fear is mentioned in the Bible, so I was like, "Oh, cool! I wonder what Second Timothy says. Like, what 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 kind of fear is that?" So I was looking through all the fears. And I got to the bottom, and it wasn't there. I was like, "Oh, okay. Maybe my Bible's broken. I'll go to a different Bible." And so, like, <laughs> you know, like, what what else could it be? And so I went through. It's not there either. There's 584 mentions of the word fear in Old Testament and New Testament together. Yet I can't find 2 Timothy 1.7, the most popular fear verse we quote. So I said, okay, I'll go right to 2 Timothy 1.7. Turns out, it's not fear. Turns out, the word for fear there, there is, is more appropriately... Defined as cowardice, reticence. It's, it's not, not fear, but cowardice. For God, God hasn't given you a spirit of a coward. God, God hasn't given you a spirit of reticence. Now, now listen to the definitions of these words. Cowardice, coward. A lack of bravery. Or courage. Now, I think all of us can agree that when it comes to telling people about God, inviting them to church, inviting them to different ministries, men's ministry, women's ministries, we've all felt that. It might not be, I'm I'm scared to, it might, might more be kind of a coward to. Now, now, the definition for reticence is this: being reserved, especially with regard to speaking freely. So, so God, he says, I, I haven't made you a coward. I've given, I've given you power, I've given you love, and I've given you a sound mind. But but you gotta remember. What those are for, they're for declaring God's goodness in your life. You see, when, when, we, when we go up and we want to talk to someone about Jesus, and that fear comes on us, that, 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 that's, that, that kind of sense of, oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like you almost got to psych yourself up just to say, hey, how was your weekend? You know, like, because like, maybe they bring up something spiritual and then I have to say something and then I don't say something. Am I really a Christian or not? And so, like, your, your mind just goes crazy. But but, but here Paul says, Timothy, God, God hasn't given you a spirit of being a coward. When, when, when you got saved, the spirit that God gave you it's, it's not cowardice. It's not reticence. It's not, it's not the, the feeling reserved to speaking freely about your faith. It's not this, this being scared or cowardice to, to, to declare what God has done. That, that's not the spirit that God has given you. The spirit that God has given you is of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, here's the thing. All those three correlate to reaching people, all three of them. the uh, the power, you need power to reach people, the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You need love that's like foundation 101 right there, right? Love love expels, perfect love expels all fear. And and then you need a sound mind, meaning what? You need to know when the right time is to say something, and you need to know the right time when isn't to say something, right? And so so Paul is saying, don't be ashamed to tell people about the goodness of God don't be ashamed why because you have power you have love you have a sound mind you aren't a coward when it comes to standing up for what you believe you aren't a coward when it comes to declaring how good God has been you have the power of the Holy Spirit you have the love shed abroad in your heart and you got the mind of Christ in your life so you don't need to be you don't need to worry whether you're gonna mess up or not all God's looking for is a vessel to stand up and declare God's been good to me God has saved me I used to be what going through what you've been through but God redeemed me from that. He pulled me from the depths of hell and he saved me. That's all that God is looking for. He sees Ryan to Timothy as people are dying all around him, as people are going through complete and utter hell, he says, don't worry. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. God hasn't made you a coward. Keep preaching. Keep proclaiming God's goodness. Keep telling people, because it's not You. It's the power, it's the love, and it's the sound mind. This word fear that I saw, God has not given me a spirit of fear. It's only used one time in the New Testament. It's right here. It's the only time you will see Paul say, God hasn't given you a spirit to be a coward, but He's given you a spirit. To reach people, to bring people in. You see, here, here's the thing. Don't let the fear of man determine your fear of God. Don't let your, the fear of man, what other people think, what other how other people might perceive you. Or you could say it like this: don't let the fear of man determine your level of obedience to God. Because watch this, Proverbs 29 says this in the message, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects from that. Why does it protect from that? How? Because you have power, you have love, and you have a sound mind. And and the writer here in Proverbs, he says, the fear of human opinion is going to disable you. Now, 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 think about this. Someone who who is disabled, disabled, mentally, physically, whatever the case is, there is a a limit to what God created them to do, right? There there is something blocking because God didn't create anyone with disabilities. God created everyone in his image and likeness to flourish, to multiply, to produce, all these things. But there's, there's a limit. And so watch this. People in the church, I believe, are too spiritually disabled. Why? Now, remember, it limits. A disabled, it limits. Whatever it is, you broke your foot, that limits you. Break your hand, it it limits you. Whatever the the, the disablement is, it limits you. But now there's not just physical, but I believe there's also a spiritual disablement. Why? Because the fear of human opinion disables you. Like, Bruce doesn't think something bad of me, and it's not like I lose feeling in my legs. Right? But there's something that's got to be disabled. You see, spiritually speaking, when we allow human opinion to limit us, what is it limiting us to In It's going to limit what you do for God. Spiritually disabled people are limited for what they can do for God. Why? Fear of human human opinion. Yeah, I I want to do that, God, but but what are they going to think of me? How am I going to look? It's going to limit what you can do. It's going to limit what you can say. Right? If you are so concerned... With, with what someone else is thinking of you, with what someone how someone is perceiving you, then you're going to be a little cautious about how you talk to them. You're going to be a little cautious around them. It's disabling. It's going to limit what you do. It's going to limit what you say. It's going to limit what you bring. If you're spiritually disabled, it's going to limit what you bring to God, whether that's financially or Serving, watch this, it's going to limit who you bring to God. Remember, it's all about people. Chip Brim said it when, I don't know if it was at the men's conference or or on the Sunday morning, God's mission and goal in life is people. Everything he does, everything he's created, everything he's spoken, it's to redeem sinners back to him. It's all about people. And so when we're spiritually disabled, it's going to limit us from doing those things. But then one of the last things. Um, pastor said I could go as long as I want. i going to turn that around. It's going to limit how you hear from God. Pastor Vicki always says, God speaks to those who intend to listen. No, intentions are good, but motivation will always fulfill your intentions, right? Like me me and Adrian, we're on this this horrible thing called a diet. I'm glad you're laughing at my pain, right? What do you want to talk about? Intentions are good. Let's do this. Let's lose weight. Let's get in shape. But then you try eating that food. You try sticking that. Only 30 more days. Intention is good. But motivation will always fulfill my intentions. If I'm motivated to do it, I'm going to do it. If I just have the, oh, I want to hear from God. I want to do great things. I have the intention. I come to church, you know, I I have the intentions to do great things. That's, That's great. You have the motivation to. Daniel, in the story of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 uh, through 12, I think it is. Now, I don't have a lot of time to read it. Uh, Tina, can you throw that up on the screen? So I'm not going to give much backstory. Daniel, his three friends, they've been captured. They're living in Babylon, studying, uh, being imparted all the Babylonian ways. King wants uh, Daniel and his three friends to eat the king's food. King's food's no good. So this is what Daniel says. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Next slide. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age... I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Now, watch. The chief of staff, he wasn't necessarily concerned. Yeah, he had some concern with with them, right? You know, what if you get pale? What if you're not, what if you don't perform as well as everybody else? But I don't believe he was necessarily worried so much what would happen to them. I think he was worried what would happen to him. Right? He's like, Daniel, okay. Yeah, sure, go for it. You lose a couple pounds, I'll lose my head. Sure, that sounds like an even trade. He, he wasn't necessarily worried about how it, it would affect their lives. He was worried how it was going to affect his life. I, I would invite my coworker. How is that going to make me look if they say no? I I, I would pray for someone, yeah. But but what if I mess up my prayer? I I, I would talk to someone about church, but what if we speak in tongues during service? That might weird them out. I, I, I would do it, But the chief of staff, he said, Daniel, I would let you. I like my head too much. But what about me? Paul, he says, Timothy, you don't have to be worried about you. You just got to be worried about others. You see, when... When we stop caring what people think, C-A-R-I-N-G. When, when we stop caring what people think, we can begin to carry God's will. C-A-R-R-Y. When, when, when we stop caring so much what other people think, how other people look at us. It's at that point when you can truly begin to carry God's will in your life. Why? Because God's will is all about people. Now, now watch this. The definition for care, C-A-R-E, is this. To feel concern, to attach importance, value, or weight to something. When, when we put stop putting so much weight on what other people think of us, when we put, stop giving so, uh, people so much value, on their opinions. It's at that point where we can begin to truly carry God's will. Now listen to the, what carry means. To take from one place to another. To convey and to transport. What you need to know is God is waiting for each and every one of us to carry his love from our lives to someone else. He's waiting for us to carry the goodness that we've experienced from our lives to someone else. He's waiting for us to carry, to transport this to other people. But this won't happen if we're constantly carrying what they think of us, if we're constantly worried how we're going to look when we do it, if we're constantly worried about all these things. We, whatever, when we begin to carry or care so much about other people's opinions and values, it limits what we can carry to them. When we care so much, when there's so much value and opinions placed on, their, on, on what they think, then it's going to limit how and what we can bring to them. When, when we take a step back and say, God, this is all about you. It, it's, it's not about me. It's, it's not about what I want. It, it's not about, n- not about my life. But, but it's about your life, your will for my life. That's when we can begin to carry. A couple more things and then I'm done. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It takes all three to evangelize. It takes all three to bring people into the kingdom. But if you don't know what they're used for, we won't, won't properly use them. I'll give you an example. When I was in, in mid, middle school, or end of elementary school, fifth grade, I played the trumpet. All right, band, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go band. I, I played the trumpet, and, and I I remember going to class, and I've started to notice something. You've got a gold trumpet. Your trumpet's gold, too. And I'm carrying my trumpet. Yeah, your trumpet's gold, too. Yours is bronze. That doesn't even count. Right, and then I open up my trumpet. You want to know what color mine was? Yeah. It was my dad's trumpet. Things of beauty. I open this up, and they're all like, Austin. Yours is Silver. Oh, my God! What? what in the world? I'm like, yeah, fools, look at it. Yeah. Enjoy the silver of my trumpet. And then, like, the, the case had, like, a velvet blue, right? Velvet blue inside, yeah. And all of a sudden, some kids started going through it. And I'm like, Whatever. This is the first time I even opened my trumpet. Like, This is the first day of band. And they started going through it, and all of a sudden they pulled something out. They're like, Austin, why you got a plunger in your trumpet case? Like, Dad, what the heck? like, oh, you know, like, in case the trumpet gets clogged. (laughs) Like, I don't know. They go, Dad, what's this plunger for? What the heck? Why are you carrying a plunger around in your trumpet? And he goes, Oh, awesome. I'll show you. And he grabs it and he goes, It's to enhance what other people hear. And he goes, You just put it on the end of the bell, and then he's like ruh, ruh, something like that. I don't know. And, and, and it, it enhances how you changes the sound. It makes it better. And I go, Oh, okay. You know what I did the next day? Hey, fellas, check out my plunger. Look at this. <laughs> Start using it. No, no, watch. If you never understand what something's for, two things will happen. One of two. It will either go unused or it will be used incorrectly. God's given you power, he's given you love, he's given you a sound mind. Yes, you have power, you have sound mind, yes. But in this context, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to proclaim his goodness. Don't be ashamed to stand up. Don't be ashamed to to invite. Don't be ashamed to pray for someone. Don't be ashamed, just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not ashamed now, I'm not ashamed Q2, last scripture, I promise, Adrian at this point would be like, <sighs> last scripture, Joshua 1.6, all right? We all know Joshua 1.8. Be courage, strong and courageous, right? We, we know this. Watch this. Be strong and crea- create, uh, courageous. For you are the one. Say, I am the one. I am the one. Come on, I am the one. I, I am the one. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. You're not bringing your neighbors. Come over here. I got this plot of land for you. God's promised it for you. Let's go. No. But could it be that you and I are the ones to lead our neighbors, to lead our co-workers, to lead our family to their promised land. That could be right here at Faith Family Church, to see their family get saved, to see their finances change, to see their relationships restored. Could you and I be the ones to see, to lead people to their promised land. Because God has promised your neighbor that he would have a great life. God has promised all those around you that they would be, that things would go well for them. But it comes with a relationship. And so they're looking for someone to lead. They're looking for someone to show them. They're looking for someone to say, hey, come with me. Follow me. Could it be that we're the ones. To lead our friends, lead our families, lead those around us to their promised land. And I believe it's right here. I believe their promised land is right here at Faith Family Church. You know why I believe that? Because that's why you're here. You found your promised land. You found shepherds. They're looking for shepherds that are going to lead them and guide them. Could it be that it's pastors, You found relationships here. Could it be that this is where they find their relationships that they're longing so desperately for? You found healing here. Could it be that this is where they find their healing? You and I are the ones to lead those around us to their promised land. Do you know what the first two words are? Be strong and courageous. God isn't giving you a spirit of fear. God's made you strong. Spirit that's on the inside of you will quicken you, will strengthen you, give you the right words. You got to turn to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for the word that was preached tonight. Lord, I, I'm no one. I'm just a vessel. I thank you that it's the anointing that's on our pastors that is flowing in this place right now to challenge us, to encourage us, to do more for this ministry, to do more for the kingdom, to see your kingdom grow, to see the vision that is in pastor's heart advance. Lord, we thank you for this. We praise you for this. We thank you. That as we do this, Father, I thank you that you have not made us uh, cowards. You have not not given us a spirit of reluctancy. But, Father, I thank you that you have given each and every one in here a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind. And because of that, we won't be ashamed to proclaim your goodness. Because of that spirit living on the inside of us, we won't be ashamed to reach out to people who are hurting. Lord, we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the the upcoming week, and as you place people in our lives, Father, I thank you that the Spirit will rise up on the inside of us. The Spirit will rise up to talk to them about a relationship with you, to talk to them about church, to talk to them about how good you've been in our lives, to talk to them and witness to them about all that you have delivered us from. Father, we thank you for this. We praise you for this. We give you all the glory and all the praise, and we're expecting, along with pastors, great things. In Jesus' name, amen.